Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly and occasionally even hourly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, and sometimes movies that have never been anywhere near the list, but are sequels to other movies that we just talked about that were also nowhere near the list. Due to popular demand, we are coming back. We did the Child's Play trilogy. It seems like listeners demanded that we talk at least about the next movie in the series. So yes, we are back. We are talking about uh, uh, Bride of Chucky. <laughs> yeah, that's off to a great start. There. Yeah, yeah. Nailed yeah. it. Like, I was, I was certain that that doll was dead at the end <laughs> of our last episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, like, it, I mean it, it, they lulled you into a false sense of security. Up in a little bow. Yeah. You, when you Google Child's Play 4, you discovered no such movie exists. Exactly. So you were like, that's got to be the end of this, right? We finally finished this series. But uh, unfortunately, not. But fortunately. We've managed to convince our guest to return to join us for this conversation again. How are you, Charlene? Welcome back. I could do with some sleep. I've been <laughs> I've been doing this for hours and hours. And hours. <laughs> Feels like days. Yeah. But it's okay because again, we brought some fresh blood into the conversation, so to speak. The fantastic Joey Kyo. How are you, Joey? Hi, I'm back. <laughs> Um, so what we've been doing, we've been talking about the Child's Play franchise, and obviously myself, Andrew, and Charlene have talked about our familiarity with Chucky, our love of Chucky beforehand. But look, before we start talking about this particular movie, Joey, do you have any particular like association with Chucky? Do you have any opinions about the Child's Play films? Do you remember when you first saw him? Is he one of your favorite slasher? So. Oh my god, absolutely. I love, love, love Chucky. You probably can't see it, but I've got a big Chucky doll behind me and a Tiffany Oh they're wow! Like wow. Everything else, because um, last episode um, they're they're big. <laughs> Charlene, yeah, there we go. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot he wasn't in shot. Oh, <laughs> okay, but okay, but I have like the messed up Chucky. Like I have the wrecked one, and then Tiffany is from this particular movie. But like, I mean, as like as a queer person, this series means a lot to me. Um, I can't remember the first time I saw it. I must have been young enough, but. For me, these movies just keep getting better and better and better. And then the TV series is just phenomenal as well. And I think key to it is Don Mancini. I think, I mean, I know he didn't direct this particular one, but I think keeping him at the helm has helped it to have a consistent tone the whole way through. But Bride, I mean, Bride is where the campness just kicks in and you're just kind of off to the races. So this is like, I don't know, I have a soft spot for cult and I have a soft spot for curse. But I think if I had to pick a favorite, it would be this one. I just think this one is so special and obviously completely off the rails crazy as well, as I'm sure we'll discuss. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, because I, I talked to you about this before and you'd come back and you'd said, yeah, if I want to talk about any of the Child's Play films, it is definitely Bride. Mm. Do you remember the first time yeah. you, you saw it? Did you see it in theaters? Uh, was it, Did you see them in order? Was this the fourth one you saw? Was this the first one you saw? God, that's a good question. I feel like... So I definitely didn't see it in theatres. I definitely watched pretty much all of these at home, apart from Cult and Curse, which I got to watch at Fright Fest. And I got to interview not just Don Mancini, but Jennifer Tilly as well. And she was... Listeners cannot see Charlene's face. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Like, and she was, I mean, Matt, like, and I think she like complimented my shirt or I had like a Chucky shirt on or something. And she was like, that's so cool. And then I ended the interview by saying, my boyfriend's going to be so jealous. And she goes, oh, okay. <laughs> like, like I was saying something really dirty. Um, but What a hero. Yeah. But not too long ago, 
I actually bought every single one of these on DVD and we did do a marathon like all in one go. Um, so they kind of all blur together. Uh, so to answer your question, I don't know. I don't know when I first saw this, probably like mid twenties when I was like caught like living dead girl and it was really cool and stuff, which it still is. It still is. LDG, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Charlene, what about yourself? Like, I think you've kind of alluded to having a soft spot for this one in particular. Do you remember the first time that you saw Bride of Chucky? I actually don't remember the first time I saw it, weirdly, because I feel like I've given you really <laughs> solid answers for all the rest of them. Um, but I remember thinking it was, like, really good, but, like, I was a bit taken aback by the tone of it. <laughs> I was just like, Aww. whoa. But then as a <laughs> massive Scream fan, I was just like, Yes, if Scream is going to influence things to make them more like this, then hooray. <laughs> but I was a little bit like weirded out by it because I was just, I've been, you know, a lifelong Chucky fan. So I was a bit like, oh, what is going on? I know he's always had that bit of like, you know, an edgy humor, but like this has just really pushed it to the max. Well, I say pushed it to the max until Seed of Chucky. I was about, I was yeah. about to say, I, like, it's a shame we're never going to talk about any more Chucky films. It's a shame we're definitely not going to talk about the next one because I would love, so, like, if your reaction to this was this is a little bit out of left field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we won't be talking about that. So no, um, no. this, this, yeah, I, I remember being a bit taken aback by it, but um, I really liked it. And then I watched it again, like, probably a couple of years later. And I was like, this is a fucking masterpiece it is <laughs> so, <laughs> and i've watched it a bazillion times since just like the best andrew to appear behind the curtain we've talked about this on the podcast before we do operate under kind of like a separation of church and state we don't talk about the movie outside the podcast but you maybe did let a little something slip when we were talking we had to you know reschedule this maybe move it forward a little bit like 10 15 minutes however long it is running late and i think you said I might watch Bride of Chucky again. So I think like, do you remember the first time you watched? You did, yeah. You're like, I might watch Bride of Chucky. Have I overplayed my hand here? No, no, no. Um, I, I like, like. Did you pull I, a Darren? Did you watch Bride of Chucky multiple times oh, for this podcast? I, I try, I try to speed it up in those 10 or 15 minutes, but um, it, it, it would just go to the end, like straight away. Cause they they there's a fast forward that but then next to that button there's a fast forward with a little bar next to it. Yeah. I kept trying that, but it, this it, the the. I love uh, that this implies you have it in a playlist. <laughs> yeah, like it's like just straight to the next movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they well, uh, they uh, oddly enough another movie started, but um, I I I guess. That must be like one of those. I don't know. One of the ones we're not going to talk about. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, I, 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 I didn't watch this again in the fifteen minutes that we had. But um, I did enjoy it quite a lot. Um, I, 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 I was impressed by this. It's fantastic. Come on, <laughs> yes. this is so good. It is. <laughs> I love that there's no card where nobody's playing any cards close to any chest. <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's just get this out here. Now, again, just very, very quickly, we're going to breeze through context on this one. When Child's Play 3 came out, it was not a massive success. They've been churning out basically three Child's Play movies in the space of three years, which is a phenomenal uh, a churn, even in terms of like horror content. To the point where I think like... Two Child's movies in 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so much more balanced. Kind of according to the um the 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 
you're like in world. It's yes. um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's eight it, years it, later. Yeah, about to say in in universe, the implication universe, seems to be yeah. that like Child's Play three and Bride of Chucky are as close together as like Child's Play two and Child's Play three were in terms of release, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, obviously, Child's Play 3 comes out. It is a commercial flop. It is a critical flop. It also doesn't help that I think we alluded to it when we talked about the series at the very beginning. This is the point at which the Chucky brand becomes engaged in a number of moral outrages we don't need to go into. Uh, Very, very briefly, obviously, the Jamie Bulger case. Um, It was discovered that one of the boy's fathers had rented the original Child's Play, even though the boy in question was not in the house at the time and could not possibly have seen the movie. It became embroiled in a video nasty scandal in the UK and Ireland. I believe it was pulled from circulation. Uh, You also had the Suzanne Capper case. Uh, where a 16-year-old girl was basically tortured and murdered, um, but she was taunted by playing the song Hi, I'm Chucky, Wanna Play by 150 Volts, which featured samples from the film. So it became kind of embroiled. There's a sense that Universal wanted to back away from it, that they weren't necessarily, you know, interested in continuing a property that was not profitable, but was also tainted by association. And not to put a pin in it, but, you know, if we were going to talk about Seeds of Chucky, that might be something to keep in mind, but we're not, so don't worry about it. But then, obviously, as Charlene alluded... You know, the slasher movie's in a bit of a rut when you get into the 90s. It's not really going anywhere. All the major franchises are in a creative and commercial decline. Friday the 13th, Halloween, all this sort of stuff. And then, out of the blue, 1996, Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson's scream hits the pop culture. It hits the zeitgeist. It shatters all expectations. I believe you have a situation where George A. Ramiro, the man responsible for Night of the Living Dead, describes it as the movie that saved horror. It saved an entire genre onto itself. And immediately the studios go rooting through the toy chest for anything they can revive. And again, Williamson becomes this huge hot property. He's got Dawson's Creek on television. He does an uncredited script polish on, I believe, Halloween H2O, Mm. which is another movie we're never going to talk about on this podcast. Uh, And he obviously uh, then as well, you have like other properties that are kind of latching onto that as well. You have like, I know what you did last summer as well. So the idea is Universal, like we'd like to get in on that if only, if only we had a character who was like a slasher type character who lent himself to meta commentary that we could revive and release a movie of that would play into this meta self-aware zeitgeist moment that we're having and of course the answer was chucky um now where the idea for bride of chucky came from is a matter of some debate i believe producer david kirshner says he was literally wandering through a video store and saw the title bride of frankenstein and was like i'll take it (laughs) and that is apparently according to david kirshner where the premise for the movie came from Obviously, Don Mancini, very, very enthusiastic about that. We mentioned the camp quality of it. Obviously, Bride of Frankenstein, famously one of the queerest of the celluloid closet horror movies. One of the most overtly gay of the classic era, black and white era kind of universal horror movies. So yeah, basically, it's it's rushed into production. Um, there is, you know, all manner of stuff kind of happening there. They hire, I believe, Ronnie Yu to direct it, who's a Hong Kong filmmaker, um, who's, you know, again, attracted a lot of attention for it. They decide to... First of all, Universal give them a bigger budget than they've ever than they've ever had before, but also put the condition on that it has to shoot in Canada. So this is the first Chucky movie to shoot outside the United States. They end up shooting kind of north of the border, so to speak. But yes, it rolls off production. We're going to cast a bride. Jennifer Tilly was, I believe, the first choice for the role. Mm-hmm. According to Don Mancini, the only choice for the role. She was 
obviously reluctant to do it uh, in large part because she was an Oscar nominee mm-hmm. and there was a worry that this may in some way damage her brand. Yeah. Apparently what convinced her to take the role was when Don Mancini approached her bound co-star Gina Gershwin and was like, would you like to play the Bride <laughs> of Chucky? At which point Tilly wow. was like, oh, yeah, Tilly was like, oh, okay, uh, <laughs> I see what you're doing there. I will take the role. <laughs> but yeah, so okay. Anything we want to say about Bride of Chucky before we jump into the spores? I'm just going to start. So Joey, any quick takeaway on Bride of Chucky? Uh, one thing I do want to mention, when I popped in my DVD, just because you mentioned Tilly, there's this, does anyone else have this? There's this brilliant intro with Tilly, not really in character, but not really playing herself, talking about how the film is a masterpiece, but it's also going to put you off your food. It's so brilliant. <laughs> like it, I mean, obviously it's really, like it's age, so it's kind of shot badly, but... It's just so clever. I, I, I can't believe she ever hesitated about doing this because I think she's so... I think this is what really kind of gives it a kick up the ass is Tilly. Definitely agree. Yeah, surely, like, in terms of, like, Tilly as an addition to the, the franchise, like, because this is the halfway point almost in the film series. Mm. Like, what do you think of the addition of the eponymous Bride of Chucky? Listen, Jennifer Tilly is the greatest woman who has ever <laughs> walked this earth. and she can do anything in my book but like if ever there was like a match of actor and role I mean Jesus Christ (laughs) this woman kicks the shit out of this role (laughs) Um, yeah no like I I like this addition to the franchise (laughs) general thumbs up as well general thumbs up yeah (laughs) I mean we, we should also note like in terms of like Tilly here like it's worth noting, this was apparently, we mentioned last week that according to Brad Dorif, he thinks Child's Play 3 is the weakest entry in the franchise. That is mm. not a fringe opinion. Mm. Uh, but apparently this renewed his interest and his vigor in making these movies, in large part because it meant he was not alone in doing recording. He wasn't like coming in <laughs> at a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks at the end and recording his dialogue in a booth with nobody but say Don Mancini or David Kirshner with him. Um, instead, he was placed like with Jennifer Tilly. They would record their scenes together. And that's in fact how the production of the franchise kind of continued from that point. They'd always get Tilly and Dorif together to record their dialogue. Aww. And apparently like we'll mention it when we get into the movie a lot of the um, more interesting moments in the film are actual improvisation from the pair of them yes. just riffing off one another <laughs> yes. um, in, in the booth um, to the point where like they were when they were shooting, they'd be like, we have to now come up with a scene to justify yes. this audio clip that the pair of them have given us. Andrew's giggling. I think Andrew knows what that might have been. No, but... no idea. It's, it, it, it's, it's been like several hours since I watched this movie. Several I hours. Ought to, <laughs> I, I ought to have watched it again um, just to reacquaint myself with it. Um, All right. So before we talk about the film more depth, three questions just to get us started. So, Charlene, do you think The Bride of Chucky belongs on a list? of the 250 greatest movies ever made. I think it's I think it should be in there. And I I certainly feel like as as uh as it ages it feels like it's just like top tier horror comedy. So, yeah, I I do somewhere in there. I think I think this is the first one you've said yes to unequivocally. Yeah, cuz the first <laughs> one I was like um, I'd probably stick it in there but like um it's probably not deserving of it. But this this feels like it's breaking a few boundaries. 
in terms of like the horror canon, like this is a arguably quite important film. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Joey, what about yourself? If you were putting together a list of the 250 best movies of all time, would this be in there? Well, you know me, I'm a horror fiend. So for me, absolutely no question. <laughs> I think it's I think it's brilliant. I agree with Charlene. I think it gets better with age, especially because of the practical effects. Like that's the great thing about practical effects is they don't really age. So even if the style and, you know, some of the other stuff kind of feels a bit aged, that doesn't. Those puppets still look really, really cool. And they're always going to look really, really cool. So absolutely. Yeah. And again, we should note, I think this is the last movie to involve Kevin Yeager, or at least he takes the next one off anyway. So this is kind of like the addition of Tiffany um, is one of the last big contributions that you end up getting from the man who was responsible for like Chucky as an animatronic doll, which is kind of interesting Aww. as well. Uh, we it, we won't be talking about Seed of Chucky, so we won't get into the particulars of what happens. But it's a whole it's a whole story. It's a whole thing. That, that, <laughs> yes, it's a whole thing. Uh, we should also mention that this is the last appearance of in-suit performer Ed Gale, who was part of Child's Play and Child's Play 2. Uh, he was not part of Child's Play 3. That was largely using animatronics. He reprised the in-suit performer role here as Chucky. However, there was a term used at the in the final act of the movie, it's in the final cut, that Gale found an inappropriate way to refer to a little person. I think Mancini has said in hindsight uh, he would not use that word again if he had the chance, if he knew what he knew now. Uh, but unfortunately, that was the point at which I think Gale said, look, I'm just, I'm done with the franchise. Uh, so as a result, it's kind of interesting that the role of Chucky in Seed of Chucky would go on to be played by Debbie Lee Carrington, who was the stand-in for Tiffany uh, in Bride of Chucky as well. And in fact, she was supposed to have a role on camera in Seed of Chucky as well, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. But uh, Gail is like, no, I'm, I'm done. Also, I believe that Gail doesn't like to fly <laughs> as well. So when they filmed Seed of Chucky in Romania, he was definitely out. Um and Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think this movie belongs on the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Um, I'm going to say no. I, I, I think it would be very odd if, 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 if it were. But, but, <laughs> but, but this movie is terrific. Like, and I, I, I guess I'm not a, a huge um, horror fan. And maybe if the, if the 250 were going to tilt more into horror... Um, there would be an argument for a, a Chucky movie uh, being on the list. And so far, I think this is the best one. That of, the, so, of the four yeah. that you've seen, of the four that we're going to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is the best Chucky movie you were ever going to see. This is the best Chucky movie I will ever see. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a very, when I put it like that, it's very depressing. Um, I, I, um, I wept. <laughs> when I realized <laughs> that there were no more <laughs> for me to conquer. Yeah. Um, the benefits of a classical education. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and, and for myself, probably not. I, again, we'll get into the second question in a moment. We'll get into the third question in a moment. I think for me, this feels too much of a, of an era. This feels too much like it is, of a part with Scream and of would a part with... Screen on the list? I would put Scream. I would yeah, put the original that's Scream. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking kind of like Scream is the kind is the one that I think people think of when they're thinking of this sort of... Um, Wave. Yeah. I think there, there was a Nightmare on Elm Street movie as well that was... Freddy's kind of, Dead. Uh, no, not Freddy's Dead. It was New Nightmare. New Nightmare. Mm. New yeah, Nightmare. yeah. Cool. That was sort of self-referential and, and maybe... But that was the prototype for Scream. That was, again, that was Wes Craven working through stuff that he'd bring back into Scream. 
Okay. Which is kind of interesting. It's a rough draft. Yeah. I, I think it's a phenomenal movie, but it is very much, it feels like a rough draft for what Williamson and Craven would do together on screen. Okay. Um, so, and, and, but, but if you were going to think of those three movies, like maybe this one is the best one, <laughs> but that Scream is maybe the, the most kind whoa, of like, whoa, 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 it's been whoa, a long whoa. time since I've seen Scream and, and, uh, uh and I, I have haven't flashbacks seen... to like the first child's play where I was like, you know, I like Chucky a lot, but he's not my slasher guy and the room just turning on me. It feels like, <laughs> <a> <laughs> yeah. like I really like the Bride of Chucky, but like Scream is Scream. I suppose, okay, yeah. Okay, like, okay. Like, Sorry. I, I, Sorry. I, 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 <laughs> we boo you. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I'm getting that vibe. I'm getting the, the room feels to be turning again. As I say, like, I, I am fond, <coughs> I do have fond memories of Scream, but it's been a while watching it. And I'm kind of like thinking like, oh, like watching that again, it would be tough to, to you know. Um, For it to work on you the way it did the first time. Well, no, for 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 it to um, exceed the kind of delight that that I got watching this. Okay, well, that's, that's grand. I, that's, <laughs> no, no, like... which is which is which is not to say like I I I agree with you that it probably has more of a right to be on the two fifty. Okay, no, it's grand. It's grand. I was just, just surprised because, at how casually because, you were like because like, of its impact. I I know I know, but I, and again, taste is subjective. I was just very surprised at, like how casually you were like. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously the best of the three. <laughs> uh, I was like, I was like, will I let that one pass? I should let that one pass. I, 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 I don't think you should. I think for the reason that I haven't seen one of the movies on that list that is obviously not as good as this. <laughs> you, oh, you, you obviously you haven't seen new, you haven't seen uh, new no, nightmare. I, then no, I have okay. not. Okay, I probably won't. No, not going to make any promises. <laughs> Can we can we do a temperature check on this? By the way, um, as somebody who, who by his own admission does not like horror movies, are you are you enjoying the Chucky series? Um, yes, yes, okay. I am. Like I like Chucky, <laughs> and I I I don't dislike horror. I oh. I just kind of like um, there will be a horror movie in the cinema, and I have no like kind of compunction to 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 go watch it or check it out. I don't get like a kick out of it or, or, or sorry. What I mean by that is that I, I'm, I'm not looking for my hit. I okay. suppose. Yeah. The kind of the adrenaline rush of like, again, being like sure. shock, the, the shock, yeah. the horror, the unsettling. Exactly. It's not something that I like that will re- re- require. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, yeah, that that was apparently my very hot take. Uh, was that, uh, <laughs> I would probably put of that wave of things, but I mean, I think this is probably better than Halloween H two O of that wave. I think it's better than I know what you did last summer. I think it's more impactful. I think it's more impactful in terms of finding Chucky. I do think there is a broader discussion to be had in terms of like the queering of horror cinema mm. and how important the Chucky series is in terms of doing that. Mm. And I think that's maybe an argument that you would make if you were putting it on there. But I think for me, it just Good it shout. what? Good shout, yeah. Yeah. I think it it just doesn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a shame we're not going to talk about Seed of Chucky. I mean, that's you know, it is a shame that we will never talk about Seed of Chucky on this podcast. Honestly, but um, I, uh, <laughs> we're, we're committed to the bit. We are committed to the bit. <laughs> but um, all right, so um, that is that is a gentle no from me, but not a firm no for me. Um, and then Charlene, is this on your own personal two hundred and fifty? And how does this rank in terms of Chucky films for you? 
Uh, it, it, it would be on my personal top 250. Um, I've rearranged my Chuckies about like 20 times already. Um, like it's always kind of, I suppose, a toss up between this and the first one. And then the one we're not going to talk about, um, I also adore. So uh, it, I don't know. <laughs> can, I, can I just be that asshole who can't decide? Um, so it's in the top ranking, the S tier of the kind of... Like, definitely. Franchise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and Joey, what about yourself? Is this like, would this be on your own personal 250 movies? Uh, and like, is this the top of the Chucky franchise for you? Um, 100% yes, for my personal list. For top, I think, I'm like Charlene, I kind of like keep changing my mind, but I think Curse and Cult are really up there for me. Um, but this one, I mean, if I had to pick one that I was never going to watch any of those ever again, this would be the one I would pick. I think this is quintessential Chucky just distilled down into one movie. This is the essence of Chucky. And again, it's Tilly. It's because Tilly is so important to this franchise. And I mean, what she's doing on the series and everything is just amazing. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely up there. So you're saying if you had to like chuck six of them and keep one. Yeah, (laughs) Um, it would definitely be this one. And and Andrew, what about yourself? So of the four that you've seen so far, this is this is the best I think you've yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, <laughs> no hesitation. And and would you, would this be on your own personal 250? Like as, as somebody who's been like. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. would. <laughs> I, 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 th- I thought, I thought this, uh, uh, this, this movie was just so much fun. Mm. <laughs> and, and I thought it was like blown away by it. I think um, a number of people have said it, but Jennifer Tilly is terrific. But I think she brings the best out of Chucky as well. Yeah. yeah. I think you can feel that thing that Doris talked about, which is the pleasure of having somebody else in the room. Yes. Where you're not just watching the screen and reading your lines. Yeah. Um, but you are, in fact, like bouncing off and having that theater element of somebody who is playing this game with you. Absolutely. And, and they're, like, there's always kind of, Ordinarily, there's kind of like there's humans in a place and then there is Chucky and there's something kind of like like a little bit odd, mostly in a good way, but also kind of like um, he feels very sort of manageable. I guess. <laughs> um, but and, and, and then there's the thing where like he, he's he, like he's either he's either pretending to be a toy or he's hiding. But now he's got all of it. Or killing people. Also that. But now he has kind of more to do. And, and again, he also has a scene partner he can interact yeah, with. Because he, exactly. he, he couldn't sit down in the first three and have a conversation with Andy. He couldn't be like, let's let's shoot no. the shit, so to there speak. There are moments where, he, like, like in the first movie, where he's like up on a windowsill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like talking. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, well, I think we talked about like the great thing about Child's Play. One of the great things about Child's Play 2 is that it gives you the first Chucky hijacks a car moment. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, they're like the franchises. And again, arguably, that's the core of Bride of Chucky is Chucky hijacks a car yeah <laughs> um it's like what if chucky hijacks a car the movie but like the idea of like, giving him the ability to interact with people outside the context of as you said pretending to be a doll <laughs> hiding or stabbing um yeah which is kind of cool because it gives you the element of like is there a weird psycho soap opera here about this like serial killer trapped inside a doll <laughs> and his ensuing family issues which is kind of 
insane to think about. <laughs> it's a crazy movie. Yeah. Like I, 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 I really admire how how budget it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how it commits again. Like we sh- we should note, obviously, Don Mancini had been like, uh, you know, he'd written all of the previous movies. He came up with the concept for the entire franchise. He had wanted to direct this one. That had been the big pitch as well. He had wanted to step into the director's chair, but obviously the studio was not going to give a huge budget to an unproven theatrical director at that point. Um, So basically what happened is that Kirshner bumped him up to producer, with the assumption being that if they got to make a sequel, then Mancini could go on and direct it himself. But this is arguably like Mancini at the purest he has been to this point in the franchise. Mm. You know, I mean, I can't imagine. It's a shame we're not going to get to talk about another movie where he would be even more himself. But I guess it is what it is, you know? Um, but it, yeah, I think, like, it, it is insane to think that this is... This is a movie. Like, that's, <laughs> like, like you, you could not do this with Freddy Krueger. You could not do this with Leatherface. You could not do this with Jason. You could not do this with any of the other slasher icons. And that's kind of incredible. In terms of, of for myself, maybe, probably not. I think this isn't one of my favorite Chucky movies. Wait, this is... Yeah, maybe like my third or fourth favorite Chucky movie, I think. Uh, perhaps controversially, we 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 don't know your ranking, do we? Yeah, it, we do not. Going to remain a secret. That will remain a secret. Unfortunately, we won't ever get to talk about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think like this is below of the ones we've seen so far. This is probably second to two. I I I really like two a lot. I, <laughs> sh- yeah. Listeners could not see Charlene's face. Yeah, you like two. <laughs> Who likes? Two. <laughs> I like me apparently. It sounds like saying you like three. Like is something wrong with you? <laughs> it's not as bad as saying you like three. It's <laughs> it's, it's one and then this. <laughs> one and then this. There, there, there is no there is no two. There is no three. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I feel if if there was like an alternate universe where you did give your your rundown for the podcast at what point would that be or no actually that will kind of reveal yeah i think um, yes yes it would reveal it will it will at least reveal like like well i i think what you said is like it wouldn't be on your top four or something this this would be about four this would be four this would be so we 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 we'd have to know what one two and three are we no you have all... to know what one and three are you already know what two is Two is two? Two is two. Okay, grand. <laughs> I am getting death glares here. Um, okay, I'm going to move on. I'm, I'm reading the room. I'm going to move on. So, 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 Charlene, if listeners have not seen Bride of Chucky... Watch it. Would you recommend... Okay. <laughs> fair, very fair. And it is, like, it is readily available, which is quite handy as well. That's it's nice. very easy to watch. Yeah, good. Which is good. Yeah. And and uh, Joey, what about yourself? Would you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and stream Bride of Chucky? Absolutely. Whether you're a horror fan or not. I mean, it yeah, it has to be seen to be believed, as Andrew's already <laughs> said. <laughs> and Andrew, what about yourself? Would you recommend listeners pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? Absolutely. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Check, check, check this out. Like, if you already like Chucky, you're going to be like, it's, it's, it's going to make you uh, love him even more because it's kind of like revealing the possibilities, I think, <laughs> yeah. of, 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 of Chucky. 
Yeah. I will say, like, watching through the franchise the first time, it was like, I didn't realize you could do that with Chucky. Yeah. But you can. It reinvigorates him. Yeah. Like, because they, 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 I, I think, I, I, I think that it's kind of like diminishing returns from two and three. I don't think two is bad. You don't got to justify it. It's okay. I've read the room. It's okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, I think it's like, I think I said it's a serviceable kind of sequel. Thank you. And that, <laughs> and that, and that three is kind of like where, where you're starting to see like, okay. Yeah. I, 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 These are the limits. of. Yeah. <laughs> but th- th- the problem with three is that it's just a slasher movie. It is like a straight down the middle slasher sequel. It is everything that you expect a franchise to become five or six movies in. And I think the Pride of Chucky is, is such a delight because it's nothing you could ever have expected, um, which I, I kind of adore. And as you, I think you're right to say that it opens up possibilities with Chucky that you never really imagined were there. Um, and it kind of like sets, opens up doorways that, you know, the later movies really and the TV show get to kind of explore. This does feel like it's kind of almost like a soft reboot mm. of the character uh, in a way that is kind of ingenious. And it makes you wonder, you know, well... I suppose you don't wonder why they didn't do this earlier, because there's no way this movie would have been made in like <laughs> no. 1988. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, for myself, I wholeheartedly recommend it. You will have a tremendous time. Uh, watch it. Turn the lights down. Um, have a. I don't drink, but I recommend have beer. Have a have a soft drink, a large Coke with ice in it. <laughs> yes. And popcorn. Put your feet off. Yep. Coke with have ice. Have a proper movie night. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Have a proper movie night with this one, I would recommend. With that in mind, we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone! So, Joey, what is Bride of Chucky about for you? Bride of Chucky is about Chucky coming back yet again, but this time it's thanks to his paramour, Tiffany, who he doesn't actually like that much, we learn. <laughs> Unfortunately, she finds that out a bit too late. <laughs> that he's, he's not that into her, actually. But <laughs> and then, yeah, through a series of unfortunate events, she ends up as a doll as well, which is so amazing. But yeah, I think it's about it's about love and it's about finding your person. And then there's these, I don't know, these kids in it who kind of, who cares about them? Like, it's just, that's just kind of a side story. <laughs> We don't have time for this romantic subplot shit. Yeah, but, there's, but here's the thing. Chucky and Tiffany's romance is so much more compelling than Catherine Heigl and that guy. Are you referring to Nick Stabile as that guy? Thank you. Thank you, Nick Stabile. I didn't even write his name down. He's appeared I... in episodes of Saving Grace and Without a Trace. Wow. I s- I know. Wow. Sorry, sorry. It's that's mean. I shouldn't. Hell of a career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I suspect that that's intentional. And that, that, do you think that, so? That I, yeah. Well. Yeah. Like. Like. Like that. That. Because we have. We know what the movie can do, and obviously, he's not going to do exactly that <laughs> with them. But. But. But I think it's kind of it's showing kind of I think Chucky. And Tiffany, like, watching a kind of a generic slasher movie romance. And being mm. like, what the shit is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of, um, look at this crap. Complete with, like, um, Chucky's handjob gesture. Yeah, um, exactly. God. <laughs> Which, by the way, was apparently improvised by the puppeteers. Um, cool! <laughs> That's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> 
Uh, we should also note somewhat less amusingly, apparently the puppeteers could also be quite handsy, uh, particularly with Jennifer Tilly. There were some complaints about that. It's kind of gross, a little bit gross. But I think Seed of Chucky turns that into a joke. Uh, another movie we are never going to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that stuff, you know, obviously with like the teenage lovers and, you know, then you get to like with Chucky and Tiffany. That stuff I think you can read as an extension of what's been a, like a recurring thematic fixation for the franchise. I think you can read it into like the earlier films. And yes, you are you are definitely kind of reading it into it. But this criticism of very like heteronormative, very Reagan era, very conventional suffocating ideas of domesticity. Mm. Where you have like obviously like you have the, the single mother um, in the first movie and kind of like the idea of consumerism and all that sort of stuff. You have the idea in the second movie of like the foster care system where you have this couple who are building, you know, the underrated second movie, some might say, where this couple <laughs> are building this stereotypical fantasy of like what domestic bliss looks like. But it's actually just a rotating home in which children are treated as disposable products like, I don't know, dolls, for example, if one were looking that way. But even in the third one, you have like military school. I think I think to be clear, right. I don't think the second movie is a pay on against <laughs> foster parents. No, 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 no. But, it's, it's, <laughs> but don't sound like it's like this critique of like okay, um, of domesticity. But it's the idea. Okay, we were not. We talked about the second movie. We're not talking about okay. it again. But you. But okay. My my argument would be more that like in the third movie of military school as well. This idea of like a place that dehumanizes people. But here you have the idea. Yeah, I think of the very conventional. Like, the very straight-down-the-middle slasher movie couple. Um, this idea of, like, a, a young, attractive people who are in love with one another and want to elope and run off together because her uncle won't let them be together and all this sort of stuff. And in contrast, you have this much more, like, perverse, unusual, kind of kinky, kind of freaky, kind of probably unhealthy to the outside relationship between Chucky and Tiffany. But I think that... And again, it's something that kind of goes back and forth over the course of the series. But this weird sense that like what Chucky and Tiffany have as perverse and as like toxic and as horrible as it can be is interesting and engaging in a way that this wholesome stereotypical Americana depiction of like young love isn't mm. like it's it's much more interesting to follow Chucky and Tiffany than it is to follow Jade and Jesse like even their names Jade and Jesse yeah. I had to look at the, my notes to remember what they're called <laughs> yeah is that fair yeah yeah definitely yeah. I think so yeah yeah um, like they 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 because they, they, they're they're the kind of juxtaposition um and it doesn't work if they're more interesting um, or as interesting or yeah I, I i think they work well they have some good kind of like comic sort of reaction kind of um acting like i i, I don't think i think they know what they're doing yeah people I, have argued i think i've heard it argued that it's like catching heigl's best role <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> Does, uh, um, does she pretend it doesn't exist, like Jared Leto with Urban Legend or Johnny Depp with A Nightmare on Elm Street? You know, where they get I asked in interviews and they're like, what? What film? No, that wasn't me. <laughs> like, I will say for our, for our research, we've been using Cult of Chucky by Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins. Mm. Uh, I will say that while they're able to interview most of the cast of uh, Bride of Chucky, Catherine Heigl does not uh, contribute an interview. To Aww, what a so, dickhead. Yeah. I, don't know whether, yeah. I don't know whether she was asked or not. She may not have been asked well, or approached. I don't know. 
I bet she's ashamed of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I mean, I and again, she's on record as being a dickhead, right? Sorry, uh, yeah, no, no. there, 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 there are. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, no, no. yeah, like okay, the cast of Grey's Anatomy sorry, doesn't sorry, sound like your, the healthiest I, place on television. Is what I will say to that. Yeah. There was that lady <laughs> lying about her cancer and everything. That was very strange. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there were several. Well, there was the cast member who was fired for his homophobic remarks, and yes, yeah, various. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. So, sorry, yeah, no, maybe it doesn't bring out the best in people. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're saying is Catherine Heigl, one of the more pleasant people in Grey's Anatomy, is, is clearly what we're taking away from that. But what a... Yeah, I mean, and again, it is worth... So, movie begins, and, like, I love that almost immediately you have this kind of, like, self-referential quality. They go to, is it the the police station where they have, like, Jason's mask. Oh, yes. They have Jason's mask, they have Freddy's <laughs> yes. glove. Like, they've got all this stuff stored in the evidence locker, which I think was something that he, Mancini had suggested doing for two, um, but hadn't been able to justify. Mm. And I kind of like that almost immediately it is incredibly self-aware. Like, yeah. you have the jokes throughout, like, for example, where John Ritter gets, like, his nails, the nails impaled in his face. And it's like, where have I seen that? Before? <laughs> um, or the bit where, like, I think is it is it Jesse asked, like, how did you end up in this situation? It's like, it's a very complicated story. If this were a long running <gasps> franchise, it would take at least yes! four movies to get to the point. Where I this love happened. that line. So good. Yeah. But it, it also shows confidence in this character, though, because it just it puts him alongside the alongside those other horror icons where he yeah. absolutely belongs. But I mean, obviously, I don't remember, but I'm sure at the time they were like, he's not Michael Myers. He's not Jason. Like, this is just Chucky. He's just a doll. But they're saying they're putting it right on Front Street. No, he deserves to be alongside these guys. And look at him now. He is. He is. I mean. He was he was a relatively late addition to the party. He was mm. like designed specifically so like he was based off Freddy Krueger was one of the big inspirations for him. When you when Universal picked up Child's Play two, they did it specifically so they would have their own in house slasher franchise. Mm. But you're right, he lay dormant for a lot longer. Like people forget that like the gap between again two movies we're never going to talk about in the podcast, but like huh. Halloween six, The Curse of Michael Myers, and H two O. Yeah, which seem like they are they seem like they're decades apart. But they're only like three years mm. because they were continuing to make Halloween movies into the 90s. Paul Rudd was in The Curse of Michael Myers in 1994, which is insane to think about because you assume that movie must be like 88, 89. Yeah. But somehow it's like 94. Because it looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it feels like it's very much written yeah. like it as well. But a lot of that was uh, was Mustafa Akkad because he wouldn't let it go. He was like, we have to keep making these. And now that Malik has taken over, apparently, even though Halloween has ended in inverted commas, apparently <laughs> he's threatening that it hasn't. It could come back because it's, it's such a huge moneymaker, even when yeah. they're absolute shit. It's still people will flock to see them. So when would you ever not go to see a Michael Myers movie? You just go. Exactly. You just go on opening night, even if it's shit. Exactly. Which it's, it, but it, it's what makes me so sad that like something like Curse and Cult, like I don't think they got theatrical releases, certainly no. not over here. Like I was lucky to see them in a theater, obviously, because it was Fright Fest. Mm. They went direct to Netflix in like 2013, like before Netflix movies were a thing. They were like Curse went directly to Netflix, which is insane. When Netflix was DVDs, or it was Netflix? Netflix. No, it would have been a couple of years after was, they launched. Oh, okay, streaming. okay. The, at the point that they were doing House of Cards, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. exactly. It was okay. just around that point. They hadn't yet cemented themselves as a studio that does original content. Ju- just after it was kind of like a DVD thing. But yeah. even when they 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 had the DVD thing and a streaming platform. Yeah, I think. 
then and like love film was still kind of <laughs> oh yeah uh, i remember love film <laughs> Yeah. The, um, this is dating everybody on the podcast. Of, yeah, <laughs> did it? No, I'm not sure. Right. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, th- I think you have a point there with Chucky not being seen as one of the big boys when it comes mm. to horror franchises. Mm. And again, like it's notable. This is the only time that Chucky really got a big budget. I think this is the only time that his budget was over twenty million dollars, uh, which is insane. Wow. Um, this is obviously the highest grossing movie in the franchise, unadjusted for inflation as well. So this is as close Chucky comes to making a blockbuster. And he still arguably can't get no respect. I mean, no. again, the reviews for this are mostly negative. 50%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes, a rating of 5.7. Gets a cinema score of an average grade of B, for example, as well. Mm. It's, you know, again, like there is something interesting where this is as big as Chucky gets. Mm. And he's still, appropriately enough, kind of the little guy yeah. when it comes to your, yeah. your big major horror franchises. But I think it kind of works. I think like Bride of Chucky has aged well. I think like of the movies around this time with the major franchises, I think this is, you know, perhaps endured better than say Halloween H2O, for example. Oh, definitely. Um, particularly like Halloween Resurrection and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. But again, <laughs> but I think the credit for that goes to Don Mancini because he had this vision from the very beginning and he stuck with it. Like, Halloween had a whole bunch of other people who were just like, yeah, Michael Myers, whatever, he kills people. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't because John Carpenter didn't even want to do the second one. So when you have that consistency, but when you're talking about Chucky, like not even having a budget, I mean, the fact we got this show is a miracle. (laughs) Like how how has this happened for Chucky that he even got to keep doing movies? I know. Amazing. You know? Through sheer force of will. I think yeah. you're right to single out Mancini as like the guiding force here, the auteur that like no other horror slasher franchise has. Mm. Like there's nobody overseeing Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, even no. like, Craven drifted away and he drifted back. Yes. But he wasn't paying yeah. attention the middle bit. He wasn't. He, obviously, he's passed away now. Scream has, you know, again, arguably one of the better slasher franchises. But even then you have Williamson stepped away. Craven has obviously passed away and all mm. this sort of stuff. Like, Chucky is the one that is, like, Mancini to its core. And, like, I think that's a large part of why this works. Because, like, it feels like this is the culmination of stuff that, like, Mancini wanted to do with the first three, but never would have gotten away with. Like, it feels like this, it does feel different. And we talked about how, like, so much of this is things you never thought you could do with Chucky the talking killer doll. (laughs) But, like, parts of it also feel, like, strangely organic. Like, it feels like this is a clear, logical next step for the character, <laughs> yeah. as strange as that is to say, where, like, the scene where he kills Tiffany, and he does it by chucking the television into the bath, playing the Bride of Frankenstein <laughs> as thunder and lightning strike outside, is like, that is that is the epitome of, like, camp, horror nostalgia, and everything that you kind of want from a movie like this it, it's, it's literally when, that's when she's in like the largest trailer yes i was <laughs> gonna say how does the bathtub fit in there when i watched it this time i was like i said it to my husband i was like wait is she still in her trailer where, where is this i was so confused but it's amazing because it, again it's just you don't really question it because it's just it's fun it looks great she looks beautiful you have like that single tear rolling down her cheek it's so sad she really, she imbues Tiffany with so much empathy. Like you really sympathize with yes. Tiffany, even though yeah. she's nuts. And I think that's why she's such a great counterpoint to Chucky. And that's why this kind of feels like a reboot. 
because it's something different. It's not just Andy being like, wow, 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 don't kill me. And I love Andy as well. But, you know, it is different. Yeah. And he's great in the series, too. He's kind of really come into his own. But mm. yeah, I mean, like that that's the thing about Tiffany is that she's she is this kind of figure who is, as you said, psychotic, but also kind of tragic where you are kind of terrified of her, but also kind of like moved for her where she's does awful, awful things. She's introduced like murdering a corrupt police officer, to be fair, who like violated chain of evidence. <laughs> um, but like you have this, you know, she, she kills a, a cab. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, exactly. Yeah. That's right, Andrew. That's right. <laughs> Chucky hates cops. Yeah, <laughs> okay, but she is introduced doing murder. Um, but you still like you end up feeling, and again, obviously she is completely insane. She's completely around the bend. But you you do end up feeling this mess of like sympathy and empathy for her, as you said. Like you point out, she brings back Chucky because she thinks he's the love of her life. Yeah, and he just mm. treats her so so terribly yeah um over the course of it and this sense that she is kind of like again this this thing that runs through the chucky franchise where characters are trapped and obviously charles lee ray is trapped in chucky's body mm. and i think it's it's very telling i think that like charles lee ray's revenge on tiffany isn't to murder her it is to trap her in plastic yeah. mm -hmm. like like he is so and again this is something that you know if we were talking about Steve, we might talk about but this idea that he will never be alone like, the thing that motivates Chucky is, and again, maybe this is something that makes Chucky more interesting than Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or those other slasher villains, where obviously they like stabbing people. Stabbing people's good. They have a good time with it. It's not really the most relatable or human of, like, motivations. And obviously, as Andrew said, Chucky's a little stinker. He likes <laughs> running. He likes hiding. He likes stabbing. All the fun stuff. Um, but you do get a sense that, like, Chucky has this... Irrepressible scamp. He is. He just... <laughs> uh, insult comic, uh, slasher, all these things. But, like, there is this sense of Chucky having this kind of tragedy yeah. around him where he is kind of, like, trapped in this, like, really awful plastic existence. <laughs> this continual cycle. He I wouldn't call it tragedy. I would call it suck. Suck. <laughs> Fair. fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, he's not an so, innocent victim in this. Yeah, so. to be fair. <laughs> he did choose this life for himself. He, he did choose yeah. yeah. I mean, he could just have, like, not strangled all those women and, and he probably wouldn't have had to, like, put himself but, in a plastic doll. Yes. Like, but we do feel, like, his frustration. Yes. yes. Everything yes. is like, damn it. I'm too small. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get up there. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I think that there is something interesting there with the idea that, again, it, it's that dynamic between the two of them that is so toxic and so compelling where, like, he hates Tiffany, mm. but he also kind of can't be without her. Yes. And he still really fancies her because no, no one's ever looked as hot as Jennifer Tilly looks as Tiffany. Yeah. I'm still tempted to get that, like, tattoo that she has, like, right on her tit. I'm so tempted to do that the still. The Valentine is the heart, is it? Yeah, that says Chucky. Like, I'm still, I'm so... I have I have threatened that a number of times. Like, seriously. I'm like, I'm 35. I should be over this by now, but it just grows with time. No. But I think what's important about Tiffany, though, is that Tiffany's not a victim. You know what I mean? Like Tiffany, I would argue, is quite a feminist character because even though she is crazy and complicated and messy, when he starts really, really taking the piss with her, she fights back. And yeah. even though he traps her in that doll, she makes herself look super cool. 
Mm -hmm. I'm super sexy. She's like, I'm not going to stay this boring, like housewife in a dress. I'm going to make this Tiffany. You know what I mean? And that was more than Chucky was able to do. Chucky wasn't able to get even like a little leather jacket. (laughs) He wasn't able to accessorize. He doesn't even have a little toy car to go around in. (laughs) Like like Tiffany makes it work. (laughs) Not not to like spoil the movies that we're not going to talk about. I think it is very telling that like Tiffany is much more adaptable. Like Tiffany is clearly has a lot more fun. She's a lot more inventive in what she does. When you keep checking in with her at various points over the franchise, she's always trying new things. Yeah. Like she's like, I'm I'm stuck in this situation, but I'm going to make the best of it or I'm going to find a way to capitalize on it or yeah. I'm going to find a way to turn it to my advantage. Like, Whereas Chucky is just like, fuck, I'm a doll. Yeah, I have to get out of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'm going to kill everyone. I'll probably kill anyone anyway. <laughs> in, the, in, the first, in the first movie, there's a lot of cutting of like leg tendons. Yeah. Yes. Over, over and over, but but this this is so in inventive, and there's a real kind of oh, well, there, there is a literal moment where he takes the slasher knife, and she's like, "What is this? 1979?" <laughs> Which is so good. Think, <laughs> it's where he starts to fall in love with her. I think when 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 he sees like how kind of um, what a beautiful killer she is. <laughs> like what an artist she is but when she she, again she does bring novelty she's the one who encourages him to use like the nails in the airbag right yeah and again like this this thing where she's she is interested in self-improvement that you like she's a big martha stewart fan yeah Yeah. it's something that keeps coming up (laughs) over the course what would martha stewart do yeah and what would martha do and she has um obviously like the self-help books i love the dummy's guide to voodoo that is a very very good good. joke (laughs) and she's i think she's the only one who says the famous give me the power i beg of you i think she's the only one who gets to say that apart from him i can't remember i could be wrong and maybe someone else gets to say it much later on but that's a big deal as well Mm. and like from those opening moments once living dead girl hits like you know she's the hero yeah do you know what i mean like we're there's no obviously we know chucky's the hero which again is different from any other slasher you know you might love michael myers i mean freddie definitely is the hero but with chucky there's i mean we're not supposed to care about these characters we're only supposed to care about these characters in relation to chucky and yeah. with her, a hundred percent. As soon as she, as soon as that song hits, you're like, no, this is this I'm is it. This is now. yeah, I'm obsessed <laughs> with this woman. No matter what she does, but she also she does kind of want to be a normal a normal housewife, I guess, and she kind of doesn't really understand that that's not an option for her because she's a murderer and because she's a little bit <laughs> chunky. Like it's just never really going to happen for her, which is kind of sad as well. But God, oh, if you if you don't if you want for to- her. If you want to get really romantic about it, you could argue that for better or worse, they are soulmates. Like, I totally uh, agree. Like, I totally like they agree. are and they need each other in some sort of fucking awful way that she's more in tune with and he's not in tune with it at all. He's just like this fucking woman, like <laughs> after doing this to me and like, you know, he just doesn't, he's not capable of it. But um, I do think there is that like, they are bound together. Uh, no pun intended there, Jennifer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they are kind of bound together. It's like whatever you'd call it, love or like being being just like soulmates or whatever. But I think that's a thing. I like it. It's adorable. <laughs> it's romantic. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe because because Chucky has been burnt. Um, literally and figuratively uh, literally every yes. single movie so, yeah so, yeah. so he's, <laughs> the one he's way a to bit slow more him cautious like when it comes to love um, <laughs> uh, no but yeah that, that I think in spite of himself yeah I think there is some sort of even though he's a shit <laughs> like 
this is this is the the question I have. Like, I I think Tiffany does love Chucky. I think Tiffany like honestly is obsessed with him. And even when she realizes that you know he didn't buy he didn't buy her a diamond ring to propose to her, oh. he just left some evidence from a murder lying round. But I do think that e- even after that, she does still love him. Uh, and I think that like. I don't know that he loves her so much as he needs her. Where, like, again, it's this thing, I think Dorif has talked about this idea that Chucky is afraid of oblivion. He's afraid of being nothing. He's afraid of, like, the idea of being alone, of it just being darkness and himself. Mm. And I think that, like, if you look at things like him trapping Tiffany in that plastic body, that is just an act of sheer pettiness where it's like, I don't know that he does that because he cares about Tiffany as an individual in any way, shape or form. I think he just does it because it's like, it means he won't be alone. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing. I think she wants him and needs him and he just wants not to be alone, which is kind of terrifying. But also she, she's the, she's the right exact person for him to trap in a doll's body and have be his like life partner, not by choice. So like that's where the soulmate thing comes <laughs> Like God, this is just so romantic. I might cry. Yeah, no, because, but anyone else would just give up, and yeah. she doesn't. She rises to the occasion. So I, I think you're right. I think, I mean, whether he meant to or not, she's definitely the right person to have trapped with him. And I think yeah. Andrew's. I don't think he did it out of love. No, I think he. I think it was pettiness. <laughs> like, I think he might have done it out of like a knowledge. <laughs> that's not not. Yeah. Yeah, not something that you do to a person you love. It's like, I'm going to trap you in a plastic body for all eternity. Love comes in different forms. <laughs> <laughs> you show love, but everywhere <laughs> Who are we to judge is the question. Who are we to judge? But like, yeah, and, and again, like there is this sense of, again, queerness kind of creeping into the, the franchise in that sense as well, where you have like, I mean, obviously you have like the best friend is it Gordon Michael uh, Woolvet as David. Oh, yeah. He's the best friend who's explicitly queer. And again, he he presents again, he's he's presents himself to her uncle as her boyfriend in order to kind of pass to, to get her out of the house and stuff. But I do think that there is there is a sense of queerness to the movie, even though it's not quite as explicit as it would become later on. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. But I mean, Alexis Arquette as well. Mm-hmm. God rest her. Like, I mean, that's that was a big deal that she was in this. Um, but I, she passed. I didn't realize she passed. Oh my God, she did pass, sorry. didn't she? Oh yeah, yeah, no, she did. Yeah. No, she okay, did. Oh, for a second. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I didn't realize she passed. Sorry. Yeah, she has. It's very sad, but um, like, and I love that character. I think that character is so hilarious. That's kind of her Tiffany. Is that guy because he's just obsessed with her and she's just not interested whatsoever. <laughs> Good point. Oh God, and he's pretending to be a murderer as well, and like pretending to be a goth. We find out later when you see his um the police photo. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> But I think, yeah, I think <laughs> Chucky is inherently queer. I mean, not just because Don Mancini is a gay man, but it's, yeah, it's inherently queer because it's about being different. It's about trying to fit in. Um, and it's about, it's also about living on the outskirts of society and doing that flagrantly and doing that blatantly and proudly. Because at the end of the day, Chucky doesn't, I mean, he is always trying to get back to his human body, but he also, he has a hell of a time not doing that. So you could interpret that as someone, you know, trying to pass, but kind of just giving up on it after a while and being like, this is more fun. <laughs> it's more fun being a doll. And again, and again, it's, it's worth putting this in context where obviously like horror cinema has a long history of using its monsters as metaphors. Because obviously throughout Hollywood history, you had the celluloid closet, the idea that, and again, like all aspects of American public life from the founding of America onwards, 
you couldn't be queer in a public space. It was very difficult to be queer or mm. openly queer in a public space. And so you had the idea that horror through directors like James Whale. I mean, even we mentioned Scream by Kevin Williamson as yes. well. This idea of kind of like horror being a genre that was very heavily influenced by gay screenwriters, by gay directors. And the way in which, like, even going back to the Universal Monster movies, like, we mentioned Frankenstein, we mentioned Dracula, we mentioned Bride of Frankenstein, we mentioned even The Invisible Man, where those have all long been read and, and been discussed. And I think Whale himself talked about it, you know, among his friends or, or privately, about those being movies that he saw about, you know, in some ways being queer or expressing that queerness in a way that was as acceptable as possible in mainstream American cinema at the time. I think it's kind of interesting to put Chucky in that context, because we talked about him feeling like, you know, a marginal figure in some senses in terms of the horror genre in terms of the major horror franchises mm. but he does feel like more than michael myers more than jason more than the other big slasher icons he feels like a character who is in conversation with that is that fair to say yeah definitely yeah yeah i think so and like just even like aesthetically the campness of everything is yes. like sky high here and like even just sort sort of that like very camp like ref over-referencing cinema like pre you know and, and what they're choosing oh, yeah. to reference and like don't don't tell me that Don Mancini hasn't been obsessed with Debbie from Adam's Family Values when he was <gasps> dreaming up this character like yes it's just like <laughs> there is a a wealth of extremely camp history that's gone into making this <laughs> extremely camp thing as well yeah in, in terms of other stuff I guess just just very quickly to run through the cast uh John Ritter uh pops up as Chief Warren Kincaid God, that that and John Ritter gets me every time. <laughs> like, and, and, John, and, a, and then, I mean, I didn't make this joke. My husband did when we were watching it about eight civil rules for dating my teenage daughter. Because <laughs> he's, <very, laughs> he's very, you know, interested in what she's doing. Yeah. Very controlling. <laughs> but yeah, what is he doing in this? Well, he was originally meant to be in. He'd worked with, I think, David Kirshner um, on earlier projects. So Kirshner had always been trying to shoehorn him in. There were originally plans when they made Child's Play 3. Child's Play 3 was going to open with two kids going into the abandoned good guy doll factory. And Ritter was going to be the security guard who, like, scares them off when they're telling scary stories about Chucky. And then he gets killed by, like, Chucky's disembodied head or whatever that was. (laughs) But it was never filmed. Um, So they managed to bring him back for this. And like, actually, here's here's something I find hilarious. That moment where you mentioned that like eight simple rules thing, mm. um, that moment where they kill him by like spiking his head with nails. Um, the the original line that was supposed to close that was um, Chucky turning around and saying, sorry, three's a crowd uh, in reference to obviously John Ritter <laughs> being in three's company. <laughs> But when they tested it with audiences, they found that younger viewers had no idea what the punchline was in relationship to. So they changed it back to, where have I seen that before? Um, (laughs) But I find that really, really cute. It would have worked either way. I think they they should have kept it. But anyway, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that that they have the Hellraiser dead. And he says... Trees a crowd. <laughs> you, you get both of those things. Yeah, <laughs> the best of both worlds. Do both. <laughs> and again, and again, like Hellraiser, another explicitly queer horror franchise there as well, just mm. to make that connection. But again, and again, like just in terms of, of other stuff, you have like the the natural born killerness of it. In fact, I think like is it uh, Mancini pitched it as natural born killer dolls and Barbie and Clyde. Those are like his pitches <laughs> for this movie. That's good. And I, I'm yeah. kind of watching. Rewatching this again, I was struck that it takes 45 minutes for the road trip to begin. Yeah. The movie's half over. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's 30 minutes 
where Tiffany is human. Yeah. What's because you got Oscar nominee Jennifer Tilly? Yes, exactly. That's true. But 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 also the voice of Jennifer Tilly. Oh, <laughs> she's got the voice of an angel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler. You'll, you'll never know what that's in reference to. <laughs> That's not what I sound like. Um, I'm sorry, you're not discussing that movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> never discussing that one. Again, I don't think that was the motivation for it, but I do like that it takes 45 minutes before the nominal plot of this movie involving Jade and Jesse actually kicks off, which is, I think, another reminder that, as Andrew said, the movie doesn't want you to take Jade and Jesse that's particularly seriously. seriously. Yeah. Do you reckon it's because they were ad-libbing as well that they it just kept getting pushed back and back and back because they just had so much stuff from them two playing off each other? They were like, we've got 30 minutes here. We put it all in. <laughs> it's all gold. It's all gold. It's too good. <laughs> Incidentally, by the way, I do like that Jennifer Tilly refused to film the scene in the bathtub where they like electrocute her because obviously she had worked in the industry long enough to know that when you're working with electricity and water on a film set you don't want to be doing that mm. um they that was a big thing with the animatronics as well the puppeteers were not particularly happy oh. with how much the puppets were exposed to water and electricity while filming that particular sequence um but that's why you'll notice if you see the, the wide shot above it's a headshot of jennifer tilly in the bath no it's way. just they put a like a little headshot a little like photograph of her in the bath of her head underwater Oh, That's so wonderfully the- camp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just perfect for Bride of Joking. Wow. I want to watch it again now. Um, yeah. <laughs> just just to get that that one particular scene. Mm. Um, in terms of the, the road trip, I mean, again, a large part of this is just it's fun set pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, once they hit the road, it's a bunch of kind of like picaresque. Like we mentioned it, like slasher movies tend to be particular things happen and you know you get you get particular moments you get possibly the biggest set piece in any chucky movie where they blow up a cop car <laughs> and and he flips off that team that that, that team gives him like a double take he's like whoa what am i smoking and he's like ah <laughs> it's, so good. it's I, I love every time um, chucky uh, raises chucky the thing yeah. the bird. and you know when he it's, did that for the first time andrew Child's Play 2. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Darren's on the Child's Play 2 thing. Yeah, again. when he's in the van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of, that, yeah. I, I guess that the, um, that has now become a... a, a I'm saying a, everything goes back to Child's Play 2. I mean, in like, trope. Even, even the soundtrack here, which is done by Graham Revel, is obviously the return of the composer from Child's Play 2. I'm not saying Child's Play 2 is the most important Chucky <laughs> I'm also not not saying that, but in terms of like just that explosion, which is, again, arguably the most elaborate like stunt that the movie franchise has, although we did mention they blow up a house and have a car chase in the first one, which is insane in an 80s slasher movie. When they blew up the car here, apparently like a stuntman was like knocked unconscious. Oh, God. Um, He broke, he, he had a, he got pinned between two cars, had a brain injury, broke a collarbone, broke several ribs and had a punctured lung. Um, oh that's God. David Stinson. Uh, he's recovered completely, but he says he still has no memory of the stunt. So when he watches the movie, he's like, I don't even, I don't, I, I have no idea who this person is that this happened to. Wow. But it looks like it was insane. But yeah, it's just remarkable just in terms of kind of like set pieces and kind of just mentioning there. And I guess maybe then the, the motel scene, the marriage and the motel scene, like oh Andrew's God. grinning. Andrew's <laughs> grinning. I mean, it all peaks in the motel, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the entire movie is a set piece around that. 
Yeah, I mean, again, you have the, the, the execution sequence where they get robbed. And then you have Tiffany, again, Tiffany being very inventive in terms of means of execution. Yeah. Where you have the two people who robbed them are on the bed and they look up at the reflection. Oh, and it's God. Tiffany holding the, the bottle of champagne. <laughs> again, that feels like a very creative kill. Again, I think I think you're onto something when you say Tiffany, you know, like all great love affairs reignites his love of the art form you know <laughs> mm, yeah. and yes i guess then we have the, the puppet sex scene i think is what of course the... yes. yes it's it's a delight <laughs> like this movie rocks so much and it's so hilarious that was an improvisation the the line um have you got a rubber i am made of rubber no that was an way. improvisation so in the sa- in the sound booth from tilly and, Dr- and Dorif. <laughs> i mean how? They're geniuses, like seriously. How would you keep yourself together if someone said that? It's so fucking clever. Oh my. <laughs> Can you also just imagine being like in the room and giving the direction? So you guys are having a sex scene now. If you want to throw anything in there, just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. The, the, and 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 do, do you mean then that the that the conception was an improvisation no 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 the the sex scene was always there that was always part of it no but the 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 fact that they don't that they raw dog (laughs) um, that they don't wear a condom well no no i imagine that they just didn't reference it Um, like like if if everything's like proportional (laughs) they would have one of those things that a person like uses to to put in an enema but but uh, sorry (laughs) probably best not to question this too much yeah yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, like what 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 was the question? <laughs> I mean, they 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 are quite happy to turn this part of the conversation over to condoms for Oh, okay. Sorry for <laughs> Yeah. There probably are. It does have a brilliant payoff though. Like you think it's just this stupid throwaway line, but then that final <laughs> shot, like it's so it leads, amazing. It's so good. Le- leads to perhaps Perhaps the best like ending of a movie. Ever. <laughs> just ever. ever. Just, just ever. Like, just ever. I was like, forget yes. the closing shot of the Godfather. You know, forget, like, it's re- yeah. I mean, it's it, forget it, the ending of the Shawshank Redemption. You, I, I mean, if you were going to criticize it, you could probably say like, kind of, you know, uh, you could probably put a trigger warning on it, or, or like, almost certainly for, for like, kind of, it, 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 like just kind of like for trauma around childbirth but it's it's it but it's it's it is incredible it's wild it is wild it It looks amazing as well yeah it looks so yes that initial puppet is the tea great oh so 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 monstrous mm-hmm. um, and yeah i mean and, and again like a lot of stuff obviously changed as it went along uh the character of lieutenant preston who is the the, the, the man who witnesses the birth of the spawn of chucky so to speak mm-hmm. he was originally meant to be like more like say i think the tommy lee jones character in natural born killers he was supposed to be kind of more corrupt he was supposed to have his own story arc but at a certain point that i think they kind of figured like just let Chucky and Tiffany be their thing. We don't need that many supporting characters. We yeah. don't need to develop that much. And also we want to get this baby in, you know, just under 89 minutes, if at all possible. So like, I ge- ge- generally speaking, and this isn't always true, but, but or I, I don't know if it's always true, but generally speaking, it's not true in respect of him. I don't think, but generally somebody has to either do something 
and uh, wrong where the audience wants them dead or they need to wrong Chucky or Tiffany somehow mm. like in yeah. in 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 order to get that treatment I suppose we, we don't learn what happens to him. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we yeah we we talked about that a bit with um with with Child's Play three, where what what's so weird about that movie is that like it's a standard slasher where just people die for no reason. Yeah. Whereas I think we talked about like the thing with the Chucky movies is that they are, like, no, well, they're kind of like light and accessible as far as slasher movies go. So as you said, there are generally rules where people who die either generally deserve it or have done something to cross Chucky. So there is some specific motivation for yeah. it. I feel like most of the deaths yeah. in Child's Play 3 were kind of... Um, well, they're, they're, uh, I mean, he does give a bunch of live guns to children. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there end up being like one one that who's a jerk that everyone was like rooting for to die. <laughs> and then another one who has a heroic death. Yeah. So you're kind of like, it doesn't feel cruel Fair. because he became like a hero. Fair, um, fair, yeah. but I, I do, I, like, I, I do think when he like gives, like, the hundred or so children in the military school live ammunition, I, I, like, that's the moment when I'm watching the movie, like, that's a little bit too far even for Chucky. He likes chaos. He does like, <laughs> like chaos. Children <laughs> shooting each other. It's like, <laughs> I, you know, not that Chucky's not an asshole and a monster and a complete horrible like human being, but it, like, again, that's just. In the context Did of Child's Play, <laughs> ain't I a stinker? Yeah. <laughs> but that was okay. That was just my one of my little things with Child's Play Three was the idea that yeah, you have Chucky being like, "I'm gonna have these children murder each other for no other reason than to cause a bit of chaos." Whereas yeah, I think here you're you're right. Like you do generally have that sense. I think the the exception is maybe like David who gets run over by a truck, and I love that you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's oh. when they're. <laughs> <laughs> and that's at the moment where they're they're shooting at the police from out the back of a van which is of course the obligatory robocop reference yeah they don't say can you fly can you david, fly, david? Yeah. Um, and obviously tiffany smokes quite a bit over the course of the movie as well yeah including when she's in the oven <laughs> very quick <laughs> And yeah, I think like in, in terms of, of other stuff, I mean, I do like that the bit where David dies, where they're about to shoot him and, and he just wanders into traffic and Chucky's response is, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a good post-mortem one-liner. But Joey, Charlene, is there anything you want to talk about with regards to the movie? Anything we haven't discussed or anything jumping out for you and your notes? I just want to double down on how good these puppets look. Like they look so good and they really show them off as well like I just watched a movie the other week and it was a mix of practical and CG and they just ostensibly it was about these creatures but it kind of really wasn't and they didn't really show them off and I'm thinking why would you bother doing that if you're not going to show them off they really show them off so much of this takes place in daylight as well which is very different for a horror movie there's loads of like innovative and really inventive camera angles there's a lot of shot of the human eyes which I think is really fun and weird And it's just, I think that's probably why Chucky has lasted this long is because Chucky never looks bad. Like there's never, it's remember even the CG Yoda and everyone was like, what are you doing? We want a puppet. We never had a CG Chucky. Do you know what I mean? It was, they always were like, no, it has to be this puppy, 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 puppy Chucky would be really creepy. (laughs) But (laughs) Never but say never. Can... I would watch <laughs> exactly. That. Pucky. I like that. Pucky. Pucky. <laughs> but um... I, w- I would I would definitely watch like an adorable 
um puppy who murders people Me too. yes hundreds should sell this. like 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 <laughs> beethoven meets cujo yeah don't yeah. steal our idea people listening <laughs> small this is <laughs> <laughs> like i think a pomeranian would be good Aww. Right. Yeah, because palms are like nuts. Yeah. Like palms yeah. have, and they have such a diva complex as well, a bit like Chucky. Yeah. You know, so. Do we, does it have an internal monologue or is it like alien to the audience? That's the real question. You'd have to get someone like Brad Dourif. Oh, it could be like Homeward Bound. <laughs> it, like like Homeward Bound where the dogs talk to each other. Yeah. And I guess like cats can hear as well. But they're always. I guess cats can hear as well. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Maybe pigeons as well. Writing this on the whiteboard. Um, Only dogs can hear brackets and maybe cats too. We will work it out in post. But, like, okay, just in terms of puppets, it's worth noting um, the first time that the skin of the puppets was made from a combination of silicone and foam latex. In Ooh. earlier films, I think we talked about this, the dolls were only made from latex, which meant you had to be very careful in how you lit them. Mm-hmm. As Joey points out, a lot of daylight shooting here, mm. which meant, which is, again, because you can showcase them, uh, because you can put them in natural light and won't have the light immediately shine or bounce off their skin in a way that looks un- unnatural, Karen <laughs> says, as if the killer dolls <laughs> look perfectly normal. And, but like, suppo- It's supposed to be like um, a, a doll that has become incarnate. So it should look somewhat natural, right? Yeah. Like the... the, the um... But it should look like a doll. Yes. No, but it's also a doll that is becoming human. Yes, because you get like the, the flesh. Yeah. yeah and the but that's the, the, and his eye, Chucky's the eye, the, which I love. The, the scar around it where you can see like it's yeah. piece in flesh. So yes. Cool. The, the eye shots are the, brilliant. Yeah. That they're like, there's a real eyeball in there. Yeah. And you're like, ooh, what? <laughs> it's so creepy. We should mention, by the way, that uh, when uh, Ronnie Yu was directing this, this was, I believe, his, um, maybe his second American movie, but he did not know English yet. Um, so what he would do when he was directing the movie was he would play act the scenes as the puppets in order to give the puppeteers uh, direction on how the puppets should move during the scene. So he would pretend to be Chucky and Tiffany and the puppeteers would then have to like replicate his movements. That must be so difficult. So he'd do... He, cool. he'd, he did both both sides of the sex scene. <laughs> and he'd be like, superimpose like, both of them. I need yeah, that just, behind the scenes documentary like, now. <laughs> the most inappropriate, like, intimacy consultant. He's like, I'm going to do it like this. And then you're going to lie here while I do that. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. But, and, and then also we should note as well that apparently there was a work visa situation. That meant that he had to go home during post-production. He had to go back to Hong Kong during post-production, which meant that post-production basically had to be handled again by Mancini and by Kirshner. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, again, we talked about how like the first movie was shaped in post-production largely by Mancini as well. Mm. So, but, yeah. I, but, but I do think it's terrifically well directed. It I is. No, it is. The kind of projects that... that that um, that this director Ronnie had Yu, that sorry that Ronnie Yu um, had worked on probably the, with the white hair isn't it yeah but the, the the that kind of like those sorts of like I haven't seen his other movies but kind of looking at some of them it it um, I get the impression that it, it it was just kind of like a good face 
Yes. Yeah. Well, he, he was hired by Mancini and by Kirshner after they'd seen The Bride with the White Hair. Um, sorry, this was his technically his North American filmmaking debut. He had made Warriors of Virtue, which was an English language debut uh, starring Angus McFadden. Remember Angus McFadden? Yeah. But yeah, obviously he would go on and he would direct uh, very famously like Freddy versus Jason. I was waiting for someone to mention that. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's so, Bride of Chucky so beloved and Freddy versus Jason is so reviled. Apart from it does, it is a great joke in Holliston with Kane Hodder. But other than that, everyone just hates it. Because in my mind, the wrong person wins, but whatever. (laughs) But it's 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 but it's crazy. But it's crazy to think the same guy did that and this. But I wonder, is it because of Don Mancini and David Kirshner, like behind the scenes? Like I don't, I don't want to yeah. disparage him, obviously, because I don't know how much there was probably a lot of studio interference with Freddie versus Jason. But yeah, it's crazy. Freddie versus Jason was just zero crack. Yes, this is all fun whatsoever, and I was never so disappointed. <laughs> it was very symptomatic of those early to mid two thousands horror movies that just looked like shit. Yeah, were no fun. Were not even this elevated horror crap that we have to listen to now. It wasn't even that. It was just like super serious and dull and nasty. Like and tried to appeal to lads or something. Like, it was, but that's exactly uh, what it was. Yes, it is yeah. a very laddish movie, as I recall. It was the what I call the Friday night horror crowd, who are the kind of people who go to see like Paranormal Activity Seven and then nothing else. Mm. It's appealing to those people who are just like, yeah, Freddy, I know Freddy, Jason, yeah, sure, yeah. and just don't care about anything beyond that. Yeah, this is the uh, like Bride of Chucky is the opposite of that. Yeah, <laughs> in, like, ev- in every conceivable no. way, it's it's so specific and so <laughs> unique. <laughs> What's the gay spot on a Friday night in the cinema? (laughs) That's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it it takes some swings. It it certainly does. Again, again, like I do think... I do think you deserves like a lot of recognition for like, I think, again, the composition, the framing, the playfulness, the way the scenes are shot as much as the way they're edited and handled yes. in post. I think like, like you does deserve a lot of credit for how this turns out, I think, to, yeah. to give credit where it's due. I do also think like Mancini and Kirshner also deserve a great deal of credit for kind of shepherding it through the process as well. Um, but I think like in terms of like that, you mentioned the the Friday night horror crowd. And I find this fascinating because like, this is the one that gets the big studio push from Universal, mm. where Universal decide, and actually it's, it's technically Focus Pictures. It's it's a, the sub-studio, I think, was who, who handled this one. Uh, but basically they said, like, we want to push this. We want, we want him to be big again. And, like, part of Chucky's promotion for this includes, like, I believe he hosted, was a WWC Raw? He did do uh, Raw. Yeah, and he was brilliant. Do, he was that, very, w- very funny. Because Chucky's funny. Is that WWC Nitro or WWE Raw? Well, if you... Okay, nerd. <laughs> Who's nerd over here? <laughs> if you want to vamp for time, I'll go to the fact machine. And by the way, the fact machine in this case is a book called Reign of Chucky. Normally, yeah. this so is Darren's department. Yeah. Where like, like <laughs> our, our um, summer of 99 was like... Meanwhile, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> you, you say that, but it's like I needed to come up with something different that had happened every week on that summer of 99. <laughs> so yes, of course I went to wrestling. <laughs> I don't know why you're mocking that idea. <laughs> there we go. And you're right, Andrew. Andrew is correct here. I, I feel Ooh. like we need we owe an apology to Andrew. 
He did appear on TNT's WCW Monday Nitro a week prior to the film's release. Appearing via TV monitor, he interrupted Gene Ockerland's interview with famed wrestler Rick Steiner, trading bars with both men before promoting the film itself. He used to show it on Turner Classic Movies, oddly enough. Um, I, it was like a <laughs> weekly thing where they would have <laughs> like a whole load of um, wrestlers <laughs> so disappointed if I turned it off who used to be on WWF I guess as it was then and also used to be younger so you, you'd have like Randy the Macho Man Savage and Hulk Hogan and all of these people um, yeah um, and we should note as well, he also appeared on Saturday Night Live, although he was not voiced by Brad Dorif in that appearance. Boo. Uh, though he was, I know. Boo. Um, he, he... That's it. That does not count, I think. What's that's the po- non-canon. That is just that's a Chucky like, doll. Like, what's the point then? Yeah. Like, what's the, exactly, just leave the doll there and let it freak people out. Uh, he was discussing the then current Bill Clinton impeachment proceedings and having watched the footage, I can tell you he was pro-Clinton. Very, very pro Bill Clinton. I feel like that is a perfect kind of it. it that snapshot like, of a moment. Dur- yeah, but it, but that during the Clinton thing, people kind of it, it makes sense to be asking, "What Chucky. does Chucky think of this?" <laughs> <laughs> like, it feels like a very kind of yeah that that you do need Chucky's take on the whole Monica Lewinsky thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, the the Clinton impeachment scandal is not complete until Chucky, the killer doll. <laughs> nothing is. No. no, nothing is. That's fair. Yeah. Um. It did open. It it opened at the box office at number two behind Practical Magic. It performed very well. It beat Oprah Winfrey's Beloved. Uh, at the box office, leading to this quote from Oprah Winfrey. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel like this, that, th- that was worth it. That, that was worth it alone. Andrew's she addressed quote it. Oprah <laughs> I don't want to call Beloved a turkey, but it didn't work. And it sent me into a massive depressive macaroni and cheese eating tailspin. Literally. I didn't know that you had that weekend and that's it. It premiered on Friday night, and I remember hearing on Saturday morning, we got beat by something called Chucky. I didn't even know what a Chucky was. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> oh All right. She obviously, like, did uh, was in a room and found this doll and was like, what's this doll doing here? And then as she was putting it in the cupboard, like, hit it on the head. <laughs> would account for like it's ire yeah yeah <laughs> like, ugly doll i will destroy beloved <laughs> <laughs> Big more chucky, is, chucky is a petty bitch so yeah. if yeah. she's obviously pissed him off somehow <laughs> <laughs> all right um anything else you want to say so shirlene is there anything you want to talk about with bride of chucky that we haven't talked about already? um like just very briefly to touch on the sort of like apart from being kind of post screen, the very specificness of the period that this film came from, and how I feel like there's a like a whole new audience for it because that kind of style has sort of come back around like that almost like kind of pre emo would you call it like but obsession with like dark stuff was sort of really cool around that time. Uh, but, but goth. I think it was yeah. So like so pre emo goth yeah. yeah. The post Tim Burton kind of thing, yeah. like Tim mainstreamed goth culture, exactly. And weren't we all just kind of like online, Hot looking topic. at like 
yeah i still am well, can I you mean, not see me? I still am. <laughs> I, I literally was in Hot Topic last week. <laughs> I love Hot Topic. I'm so jealous. Oh Hot my God. Uh, yeah. Oh. Um, I went very far mm-hmm. out of my way to find a Hot Topic, but um, if only fucking had it in Europe. Um... Is, it like, <laughs> is it like, is it like Asha? Yes. Yeah. If Asha was anything okay. like that anymore. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Ash is just a head shop now, right? Which is Pretty so much, sad. You still get an owl hoodie if you look, but and very overpriced dresses that you can get online cheaper. Yeah, hell bunny stuff. Yeah. See, yeah. this like the kids have like Killstar and Disturbia now. We didn't have any of that. We just had Asha. We had nothing. We only had, we had Asha. Asha. Like, I, I'm from Carlo, so like I have to <laughs> Dublin and go to Asha. Um, but yeah, so there's also like the kind of like very early internet thing of like looking up bloody photos on the internet shit like that what was that rotten.com you know that rotten.com feels like there was a real moment that a lot of the tiffany stuff kind of captured that i think is really interesting that i i almost kind of feel now is a time where people are acknowledging that as a period so i feel like bride of chucky has a has a good audience now Mm. I mean, again, that's that's the the kind of like the true crime wave of the nineties. Sorry, Shirley, you pulled the you pulled the the string on the Darren thing. Oh, go on, that's fine. <laughs> um, but I'm kind of wondering, like, again, that's that's the kind of true crime stuff where I remember serial killers being huge in the nineties. It's a very yeah. weird sentence to say, but I remember like no, obsession true. with serial killers being a big deal. Obviously, like you had in cinema, you had like the Science of the Lambs started the whole mm. thing where you had, you know, obviously that Kiss the Girls. You had like uh, was it the Bone Collector. All these sorts of movies. Yeah. And you obviously then you had TV shows around the same time. You had like Millennium. I think that like was it uh, CSI started in 2000 to pick an example as mm. well. I remember there was a time when my gran uh, to encourage my reading. And we talked about this before with like American Psycho. My parents had me read American Psycho to huh. encourage my love of reading. Wow. But like my gran would pick up like these these supermarket tabloids and these like most gruesome murders ever. <laughs> where they'd just Whoa. be like paperbacks that would go into obscene detail yeah. about these horrific crimes that had happened. And I'd be like eight or nine years old, just slipping through them, being like, wow, do you know how many people that the Manson family killed? That's really <laughs> funny, Darren. My granddad used to give me all of his like serial killer books. They were like always about like, you know, what they did and what the trial was like. So basically a case file or whatever, but like in book form. So like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought, what are the odds? It feels how completely random that we end up on a podcast <laughs> talking about a killer doll. But I, I think you're onto something there with kind of the nostalgia circling back around because like it does feel like it's, like Serial was only what, 2016? Mm. And then like the ensuing kind of true crime boom. And we're now yeah. living in the world, obviously, of like Dahmer, but like the Mindhunter stuff that's happening at Netflix. Like it does feel like that stuff has come back around. Where it does feel like suddenly we're talking about that kind of media again. Because again, not not to make everything about 9-11, but it Jinx does feel is, like... F- Jinx as well would have been in there, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Jinx? Oh, the Jinx, yes. Oh the yeah, Jinx that was great. There. But like, it, it does feel like, you know, the kind of like serial killers were huge. Then 9-11 happened and all of a sudden everything was terrorist. It was like Jack Bauer is going to kill some terrorists. Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to kill some terrorists. Mm. Sylvester Stallone is going to kill some terrorists. Damian Lewis may or may not be a terrorist. We don't know. Um, oh, he is a terrorist, but he's sticking ground for four seasons. <laughs> that sort of stuff. And it, it does. The, the Chucky terrorism movie was the um, Team America World Police. 
yes, complete with its own gratuitous sex scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're actually quite, or there's probably a very clear line to be drawn there. <laughs> but like, it, I think you're onto something. Like it does, and it kind of makes sense that Chucky's then having a moment now as a result of it. Because mm-hmm. obviously there are the big gaps in the chronology of the series. I mean, we're not going to talk about any future movies, but there's obviously like, you know, what, nine years between Seed and Curse. And when Curse comes back, um, Curse is on, as we mentioned, it's on DVD and it's on Netflix. It's not mm. a big deal. Mm. And in contrast, it does seem like the show is kind of a big deal. The show is like kind of made an impression culturally, I think. It's, yeah, the, the, the show is huge. And funnily enough, when we talk about advertising, with this show, I'm sure you guys have seen it. The advertising is just Chucky on Twitter, just talking shit. He was even feuding. <laughs> he was feuding with that Megan doll, Megan, who, yes. by yeah. the way, like he would destroy her. So whatever. Oh, That's fucking hell, he would destroy her. Yeah. Not a competition. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of that. I thought that was shite. I said Chucky would never leave that kid alive. Sorry. Megan is a softy. Megan is a softy. Yeah, whatever, oh, Megan. Megan is also like operating within the confines of PG thirteen horror. To be fair to Megan, but the but the uncut version isn't really that much. I don't know, rougher. I mean, this Maybe. like Bride of Chucky is not a. I mean, it is a violent film. It is a gory film, but it's not. It's more kind of about the swearing and the like crude sexual stuff. That's yes. what's pushing it over the edge. But with Megan, I thought I don't know. For me, it was quite toothless. But anyway it's just the power of Chucky is that the advertising is all like even the logo for the TV show is just Chucky him on a chair that, yeah. that's him all, sitting on a chair that's all you need yeah. all you need is just Chucky like who has that kind of power like when we see the Halloween poster it's always got to be Jamie Lee Curtis with Michael Myers do you know what I mean like it's yeah. it has to be somebody that we can relate to but yeah with Chucky you're right they're just like here he is sitting on a chair he's not even moving but you're you're compelled by the way <laughs> we're like what's he gonna do listeners should have seen Andrew smiling when I mentioned the poster for the Chucky TV show is Chucky sitting on a throne. And I was like, damn right. Like, I, I agree. Think some, something to keep in mind with Chucky as well that I think other franchises kind of struggle with. Chucky's always been really progressive, which you see in Seed. And he made a point of in the series as well with Glenn Glendon with that whole thing where he was like, because obviously the series lead is a gay character. And he's like, I got no problem with gay people. I'm fine, whatever. I think Chucky has been able to adapt with the times in a very, very interesting way that other kind of other horror icons have struggled with. Like when when they tried to do the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I thought, yeah, it was really rough. It was really scary. But was it anything new? No, not really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it also felt a little bit like now he's murdering millennials. Like it felt like, what do old people know about Twitch? Like that, that was the big vibe I got. It's like TikTok. They're on TikTok. The kids are on TikTok. This yeah. car drives itself, but it won't save you from Leatherface. <laughs> but that's, but yeah. think about how dated that's going to be. Even in 10 years time, we're still here talking about Bride of Chucky and we're talking about, as Charlene said, how Bride of Chucky's coming back around now. And like that soundtrack is still a banger. It's not yeah. as good as Queen of the Damned, but it's still great. <laughs> I was going to ask, because obviously you are the LDG on the podcast. <laughs> you did specifically mention, I think, the Rob Zombie soundtrack. Oh, so it's just that's I mean, that's obviously a quintessential Rob Zombie song, but it's so perfect. That needle drop is so perfect for that character because yeah, so something perfect. like with the Fear Street series on Netflix, I had a real issue with how that was just needle drop after needle drop after needle drop. And I know, Darren, I know you mentioned the score as well, which is this fantastic, like, string-driven score that's so great. And they implement the music. Yes, exactly. And they implement the music really well so that we know, 
if anything, I think that's probably why this is coming back around again, because it's authentic. It's not set dressing mm. where you're like, OK, there was nobody who was into metal who worked on this or nobody who was into goth who worked yeah. on this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It feels it feels like a movie for us, the kids who went to Asha, the kids who mm. go to Hot Topic. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? Oh, maybe authentic is the right thing. Like, I mean, that's Don Manzini obviously pours himself into each different mm. film. They're all very different in their own way. But like, it does always feel like it's coming from a place of like true care. And like, that's yeah. what, that's why it has longevity. Like Chucky exactly. moves with the times because Don Mancini's a cool guy who pays attention to the world and he's not like a load of suits in a boardroom. And also he has, but he has a viewpoint as well. Yeah. Be, you know what I mean? And actually, funnily enough, speaking of style, when I interviewed him, he was wearing um, Chucky Converse. So his Converse had Chucky on them. And I was just so transfixed by these shoes. I could like barely ask him. I was like, did you have these specially made? Or can are they available for purchase? <laughs> but like that's how much, he's obviously a, a huge nerd and doesn't yeah. care. He's just proud of it. You know what yeah. I mean? And you can feel that in the show. You're you right. Can. It's not It's not a load of suits in a boardroom being like, what are the kids into? Ha ha ha. It's someone who, you know what I mean? It's someone who's... Absolutely. Can Chucky listen to EDM? <laughs> but Chucky will never yeah. do a dance. Chucky will no. never yeah. do a dance. Do you know what I mean? I, I should say I didn't mind Megan, but yes. <laughs> yeah, but you're 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 right. The music is very considered and it's specific. Yeah, specific like, is the it, word. That, yeah, that it, it's kind of it's like white zombie, uh, Judas Priest, Slayer. Walt, um, Rob Zombie as yeah. Walt's brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there. I think I think his actual brother has a song in it too, though, doesn't he? Doesn't Paramount 5000 have a song as well? Yes, he does. The son of X51. Oh. Yeah, that's Rob Zombie, brother of Rob Zombie. Wow. Oh. Yeah. I, and obviously, I knew that when I was making the joke. That's, that's the joke. <laughs> well, Rob Zombie was in Rob Zombie was in White Zombie before he branched off on his own. But when you think, <laughs> but when you think about a song like Living Dead Girl, like that was chosen because it's about her. Yeah. It's so as as Andrew said, it's so specific, and that's why it works. It's not just haha metal song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The kids will love this. <laughs> it also includes like Blondie's "Call Me." Like you get yes! like a, a, a like <laughs> Tiffany perfect. like preparing herself, doing her makeup as. As we mentioned, restyling herself in a way that Chucky never does, but owning her dullness. But set to Blondie's Call Me, which is if your note was we're doing that kind of like Asha, you know, kind of living dead girl thing, you wouldn't put Call Me in there. Like, because it doesn't fit, but you put Call Me in there because it does fit because you're creating kind of a holistic. Yeah. Like, as we said, something genuine and something actual. To go just very briefly back to the what, what kind of Joey mentioned there. Like, I think there is something in Chucky evolving with the times where like, these slasher characters all originated in most of them originated in the 80s. I mean, obviously Myers goes back to the 70s, late 70s mm. or whatever, but they're mostly like products of kind of the Reagan era. And there's a lot of discussion about like the slasher movie and the sexual politics of the, the slasher movie and the of inherent course. conservatism of them. And I think what's interesting is that, yeah, Chucky gets to evolve and grow. And part of that is because he has a personality mm. <laughs> where like even Freddy, yeah. who like Freddy does props and wordplay and things like that. But even Freddy doesn't really have a mm-hmm. moment where he stops to consider what he's doing. But he doesn't get to have a wife and kid or sorry. I know Freddy's real sort of OK Boomer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's Whereas yes. with Chucky, as again, even when someone thinks that Chucky's actually regressive and he's actually homophobic, whatever, he shoots right back with a one liner. Mm-hmm. Like Chucky, Chucky's always going to have the last word. 
But you're right. He has an opinion. He has a viewpoint because of Dom, because of Don Mancini and because Brad Dourif is just so fantastic. Yeah. Playing. Like, like to think that they had him on SNL with anyone else is just ludicrous. Mental. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. insane. Like you just no way. It would be like if Roger L. Jackson didn't voice Ghostface. Like, why would you be bothered? No. You know, sense. Yeah. it wouldn't make any sense. No. All right, then. I think that then wraps it up. Then, Andrew, anything else you want to talk about? Anything you haven't said for your notes? No, I suppose we 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 covered a lot of the nonsense. The 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 food waste would be all those cookies that go up in the air and then explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact Chucky doesn't do the dishes it looks like there's a lot of food left <laughs> yeah. on those dishes. I think so. Oh yeah. yeah, that was a good point, wasn't it? But that's a that's a good metaphor though. Like yeah. you cooked them, he might as well do the dishes. Like yeah. that would be bare minimum. <laughs> I also love that line about I'll kill anyone, but I only sleep with people I love. It's so romantic. <laughs> so She's romantic. such a romantic, you know? <laughs> again, that kind of contrast you have between the idea, again, that idea of like domestic bliss that Tiffany wants, but she also kind of wants to be respected and empowered, where it's like she wants to be, sort of wants to be a 50s housewife who cooks for her man, but she also wants to be respected enough that he cleans up afterwards. Yeah. yeah. That, like, she doesn't exist solely for that, which is an intro. Again, that, that Martha Stewart thing, yeah. which is kind of hilarious because you obviously have the Martha Stewart trial that ends up unfolding kind of, like, around the same time, which gets at that kind of, not as directly, <laughs> one might say, but gets at that contrast between the domestic ideal and something seedier underneath, perhaps. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, so what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings them joy at this moment in time. So to give Charlene, to give Joey a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, this is a bit of an odd recommendation, uh, not because it's particularly odd, but because it's not. This is obviously like quite an odd movie, and this is a bit of a square recommendation. But I've 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 been um, I've been enjoying the football lately. There was a documentary on um, RT which was quite good, which was Liam Brady, um, an Irishman abroad, and it's it's it it's fun because he's this kind of like person who I guess people know from growing up and watching World Cups, and maybe watching kind of like the Premiership on RTE, um, and him maybe being like a bit a bit kind of like dour. But we see another side of him, and like his love of music. He's a very kind of uh, cosmopolitan kind of a, 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 a person, this, this, this Irish footballer who is kind of like willing to kind of go to Italy. And we follow him to all of these like beautiful locations in Italy and I, I ended up watching it after coming back from the pub with my wife and parents and it was on for like the whole kind of I guess hour or whatever it is and yeah it was it was it was it was it was, it was just very enjoyable okay. but yeah it, 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 that it, the only rec- RT player or? yes yeah it's on RT player um or if people have um sky they can like get it on demand or 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 um, presumably another kind of um, uh, TV thing, and there's probably I don't know. Um, that that's it. As I say, like kind of like an, a recommendation that doesn't really fit with this at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it is a travelogue technically, right? Suppose, <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah, it's yeah. You're going it, on a journey with this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's him <laughs> going back to kind of like some of those places where where he was this. 
kind of hero. Um, well, I guess that's kind of what Bride of Chucky is about <laughs> in that, like, the core journey of the movie is is obviously Chucky going back to find his own dead body. Absolutely, yeah. The, Liam Brady is kind of... <laughs> is Chucky, that's Chucky, exactly what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are all Chucky. Um, but, uh, Charlene, what about yourself? What would you recommend? I am so struggling here because I, I was on holidays and I haven't really watched or read anything. I mean, I watched lots of stuff on the flight, but none of it was any good but <laughs> um, well, you want to give a non-recommendation well no actually something was good I just don't know if you can even watch it here um, there's a TV series called I Love That For You with Vanessa Bayer oh yeah um, I watched the entire wow. thing on the plane but I don't actually know if you can watch it here but um, maybe people have ways of watching things I don't know um, but it's quite it, it really kind of uh, it's a little 30 minute like 8 episodes maybe um, about a girl who, um, when she was a child, she had leukemia, but recovered. And her dream is to be like to work on the shopping channel, this kind of QVC type thing. And she gets her dream uh, quite quite easily by applying and just getting it. Which is a bit weird. <laughs> but um, but then it's just kind of like uh, her kind of uh, dealing with not being as special as she was when she was a child and she was sick. So like having to make her own way and find herself which is really interesting um but also really funny and the 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 world of it like the shopping channel thing is i find really interesting um so that was really good and i watched the whole first season on the flight and i thought it was a really enjoyable kind of a, a dramedy it's more comedy than drama but like it, it's kind of touching on a few really interesting things so uh, that's my recommendation if you can see it anywhere <laughs> you can you can see it on paramount plus yay oh. <laughs> That streaming service that everybody has and always remembers exists. It's the good one, right? It's the one that has Yellowstone and Star Trek. Oh, yes. Well, the, then, then <laughs> it's probably doing great. Although, yeah. although here, I, I, I believe RTE has Yellowstone as well. Yeah. I, ha- I haven't seen Yellowstone yet because I'm not a dad. No, we're, we're working on that. It's like, yeah. like about, when, when Andrew I'm, becomes a father, they just in the hospital yeah. present him with the entire collection of like... Yellowstone. <laughs> Kevin Costner himself walks in, shakes your hand, and gives you the DVD collection. I do love, by the way, that apparently like Costner like literally worked on Yellowstone long enough to have enough money to make his next vanity project western, and then fecked right off. Good for him. Like wow. he, made, which is kind of he was like, I need this much money to budget my stupid western that nobody's gonna go see, and it was like five seasons, five seasons. Nice, brilliant. You have to appreciate that. And Joey, what about yourself? What do you recommend? I'm just going to say watch the Chucky TV series if you haven't seen it, because it's so fantastic. It really, really is. Like, the gore is great. It's all practical or mostly practical. Like, it's so funny. I mean, there's so much Jennifer Tilly because she plays, if you watch the rest of the Chucky series, she plays like a version of Jennifer Tilly and Tiffany. (laughs) Like, it's just, there's, and it's, it's the purest distillation of Chucky yet. And it's so inventive and so dark as well. Like the most recent season just ended on a really, really dark note. And the kids in it are really good too. They haven't got that annoying sort of child actor thing. And like I said, the lead kid, well, the lead relationship is a gay relationship, which is really cool to see. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's so special. And to just, to showcase how special it is when it wasn't, when it wasn't obvious whether it was going to be renewed, there was this huge push online to be like, we love Chucky, everyone loves Chucky, we really want to see another season. And there was that moment where you thought, God, is this not going to get another yeah. season? Like, is 
is it too kind of niche? But it obviously, look, it has the audience, which is great. Um, but it's it's so, so special. So I would say just watch that. And I don't know where I was going to make that joke that Weird Al made about VPN, where he like spelled out there might oh, be yeah. like a very something. I can't remember the other two were when you were saying about, I love that for you. <laughs> but, I think it's on Now TV. A very personal That's the knowledge. One. Yeah, very. It was on Now TV. Yes, yeah. it was on Now. It, You're it right. Is, it, it is on. It is on Sci Fi. I think Sky Sci Fi, which is oh, odd because they guess they don't have a Sky Horror. But it feels like a bit of a misnomer to put it on Sky Sci Fi. Yeah. There are several horror movie channels, aren't there? Yes, but that those are, are horror that are, movie that are channels. B movies. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's not like TNT airing wrestling, Andrew. We just don't have that freedom. <laughs> yeah. so sad. Uh, Turner Classic TCM wrestling, baby. <laughs> um and uh, in terms of recommendations for myself, if we're talking about a fourth Turner movie- Classic movies and wrestling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But they, they are... They, and they Cartoon Network t- during the one day. One of the TCMs is closing, again, a victim of the whole streaming wars stuff. Like, they are wrapping up one of the TCMs, I think, uh, in the States. Uh, maybe they should have shown more wrestling. Maybe that maybe. was the solution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, or wrestling. Um, but yeah, what... And and Cartoon Network during the day. You used to have wrestling as well, did it? No, well, it wasn't, wasn't... Didn't Cartoon Network become... TCM. Yes, at 6 p.m. or yeah. whatever, yes. Except for Monday. <laughs> when, <laughs> when it got to be became, boomerang, wasn't it or something? When it became WCW Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> TNT. I, 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 love, I, love, I love how, how much Pride of Chucky has taken us back to the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a time Oh, capsule. and and I, 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 should, I should say as well that I think Cartoon Network had Space Ghost Coast to Coast. It did indeed, yes. Yeah, yeah, which, 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 which would eat into some Turner classic movies. <laughs> Am I we gotta, we gotta push him back again. I think <laughs> I'm getting that all wrong. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I do remember, I do remember Cartoon Network becoming a movie channel. I do remember wrestling being on the movie channel. I do remember Boomerang or whatever. Was it Boom? Was it called Boomerang? Whatever it was that used to be the adult, because it wasn't Adult Swim. Adult Swim is new, but they used to have something that would go on Cartoon Network one of the nights. So I think you're not entirely wrong like at most you are at worst you are let's check teletext <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, they actually oh, really shut that off a couple of years ago didn't they yeah they did yeah, yeah my crazy. mother was devastated <laughs> some, some somebody pressed that button on the remote that you're not meant to press why is it there <laughs> yeah why is it there it's a good question <laughs> In terms of recommendations for myself, recommending the fourth movie in a slasher franchise where there's been a sizable gap between a poorly received third movie, which I feel has maybe got not gotten the, the love that it deserves. Scream 4. Yes. Talk about Scream 4, uh, which I think is like my second favorite Scream sequel. I think it is massively underrated. Me too. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Scream 2 fan, yeah. heart to heart. I'm a big Scream 2 fan. Um, but I think that, yeah, Scream 4 is fascinating and has only gotten better because it's a movie about what it's like to be a millennial living mm-hmm. inside like Gen X nostalgia. Yeah. Like it's quite literally about how like Emma Roberts will never be as famous as her like nineties, like older female relative. Mm. She will never be a star like yeah. some other celebrity that she is related to. I wonder who it could possibly be. Despite but it's despite being online, like despite the fact yeah. that she came up when there was nothing, there was just the newspapers, like even live streaming everything, it doesn't matter. 
It's yeah. just, yeah, it's it's so clever. I just rewatched it because I'm rewatching all the Scream movies before six. And I just, I love Scream 4. It's so good. It, it, it is. I would wholeheartedly recommend it. I think it's aged beautifully. It's weird to watch it and think that this was before like Rise of Skywalker and before like the David Gordon Green Halloween movies, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it feels weirdly like it's in conversation with like yeah. all of that. It does. It's like as if it was written in 2011 and the movie's like, oh, there's so much Gen X nostalgia around. It's just suffocating pop culture. Yeah. And like watching it now, you're like, you had no idea how lucky you had. <laughs> it's going to get so much worse. <laughs> it's it's going to get so bad. All right, then. Um, if listeners are looking for a bit more Joey Kyo online, where can we find you? Watch out. Watch up to. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Joey LDG, which, as you've pointed out, stands for Living Dead Girl. <laughs> Thank you. For that. <laughs> Sorry, was I not supposed to? No, no. I just most people Sorry. don't get that. Okay. But I feel like when I first did it, I copied like this is so sad. I copied Andy for Blackwell Brides because he had Andy BBB. So I did Joey LDG. But yeah, that's where I am if you want. Like I write for uh, lots of different horror sites and stuff too. But that's where you'll get kind of a feed of just my random thoughts and musings, including my hatred of Megan is on there. <laughs> so Hatred. Oh. Hatred, yeah. <laughs> I really, it would be really embarrassing if two people on this podcast had recommended Megan earlier today in discussions. <laughs> oh, oh, humiliating! <laughs> yeah, that would be very embarrassing for them, whoever they were. No, um, everyone loves it. So I'm in the mi- minority, clearly. So I'm just too much of a Chucky fan. By the way, we should notice. I love. I love. We mentioned the taglines before. I just love the tagline. To this is Chucky gets lucky. Yes, um, so good. Love a good rhyming wordplay uh, kind of title tagline there. All right, then. So you're at LDG. Um, we will try and find uh, those interviews uh, with Don Mancini and stuff like that, actually, because they'd be pretty handy to have for the show notes. Oh, yeah. They're uh, they're on Wicked Horror. So if you search on Wicked Horror, you'll find them. Or if you even search like my name and like Don Mancini, you should find them. Perfect. Uh, fantastic. So listeners can check those out. And Charlene, what about yourself? Watch out. Where are you up to? Um, I'm at Charlene Lydon on Twitter. Um, and on Instagram. I don't do that much except retweet cool stuff. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm present physically, if not emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and we're at the 250. We're on Stitcher and SoundCloud, wherever good podcasts are found. Look, you got four podcasts out of us today. That is the most you're going to get. Yeah. There's no way I'm going that we're going to gonna bed. be yeah, we're going to bed. Uh, I am already feeling quite zonked. I'm just glad we're taking next week off and Andrew and I will be talking about Star Trek yeah. 4, The Voyage Home, another fourth movie in a franchise. So it feels like it's like the perfect point. It is perfect. For us it still lines up. Yeah. Enough yeah. is enough. Yeah, I think don't enough. Don't do this to us again. Yeah, okay. So don't, if you could unlisten to the podcast that you've already listened to, just so that those figures don't go yeah, up. Don't our... share with your friends. Um, yeah, don't, don't rate, review or subscribe. Don't um, give it five stars. Yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, don't give it less than five stars. Absolutely seriously, <laughs> do not give it less than five stars. Um, but... re- 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 <laughs> reverse psychology. Yeah, I'm not, I'm still not going to tell them to leave less than five stars. In case they do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, with that in mind, take care. Thank you so much, Joey. Thank you so Thank much, you. Charlene. Thank you.